Welcome to the Steady Hand Podcast. I'm Tom Bradley. Today I'm fortunate enough to have Will Witherich with me. Will manages our small cap fund. He's based in Montreal, but he finds himself on the West Coast both doing research and carrying a golf bag. In fact, Scotty and I were out with you yesterday, Will, and uh, I think we were excellent hosts. We let you win. Has the rest of your trip gone as well as it did yesterday, Will? It's been an excellent trip so far, Tom. I had a chance to visit a number of companies uh, that we own and that we look at in Calgary, as well as one or two here in Vancouver, and also visit with you guys. And yes, thank you for being good hosts and uh, succumbing to the pressure of my golf game. Well, Will, we've done this a, few, a number of times, both on video and podcast, and uh, I thought instead of you know, talking about how you invest money and your philosophy, etc., which, which is well documented on the website, I thought we'd talk stocks today. And uh, we've got a few in mind, but maybe before we do that, obviously we've had some pretty turbulent markets, lots of volatility. Uh, the small cap index is down a lot this year, and uh, you've held up really very well in the context of that. But how are you sort of feeling as we sit here today looking forward as you look at uh, the stocks you might buy or, or that you own? Well, I, would, I wouldn't draw direct parallels to 2008, but uh, for the first time in a few years, I'm seeing a number of what I call tens and fives. And that would be companies trading at 10 times earnings and five times cash flow. And that's attractive to me. Uh, as it was an opportunity back in late 08, early 09, I think it's an opportunity now as well. And in fact, we've been adding to a number of the names in the portfolio as a result of that. Well, I don't know if these names we're going to talk about are 10s and 5s, but I know you like them a lot. Let's start with the one that's really had the most impact on your performance. It's been a real star in the fund, and that's Canadian Helicopters. And it, and it is has been and is still the largest holding in the small cap fund. Well, what was your thesis on buying uh, Canadian Helicopters when you did, and, and how does it look today? Well, I think it looks terrific, even after having made a substantial amount of money for the fund in the last year and a half or so. I think it, it's a company that seems to be going from strength to strength. Now, the core of, of, of the growth and earnings we've seen recently is as a result of contracts that they have in Afghanistan with the U.S. military. And by all accounts, they, those contracts um, are ongoing and will probably be renewed later this year. And management thinks that they may go on for two or three or even four more years. Now, they are aware of customer concentration, so they wanted to branch out from just depending on the U.S. military for a significant amount of sales. So they bought uh, out of bankruptcy a company called Helicopters New Zealand, which, uh, as its name might imply, is based in New Zealand, and gives them a whole new geography to exploit. So in addition to Canada, Afghanistan, they now have a New Zealand-based company which services Australia, New Zealand, uh, work in the South, in, in the Antarctic, and also parts of uh, Southeast Asia. Now, what's the uh, valuation look on helicopters? It has done so well, but it's grown its earnings. What are, what are we talking about on the metrics that you would look at? So we talked earlier about tens and fives. My estimate on Canadian helicopters is more like six or seven times earnings and five times cash flow. And all this while paying a between a four and a five percent dividend. So excellent valuation parameters as far as I'm concerned. Okay, Will. Um, another one that's been been a long-term holding, uh, although you have been out of it for a while, is Total Energy Services. You saw them in Calgary a couple of days ago, or I should say last week. The thesis there, and, and how does it look? 
total energy services, if I go back over the nine or 10 year history I've had with this stock has, has been professionally for me, my biggest ever winner. I made 13 times my money on this earlier uh, last decade and then sold the position and it did come back substantially from 17 or $18 all the way down to five again. And I bought it during tax loss selling season, I think it was three years ago at $5 and the stock ran all the way to 16 or $17 for the portfolio. I trimmed it back and more recently we've added back to it again. So it's unlike me typically to trade something, but when I see extremes in valuation, I take advantage of it. And here's another one that at least according to my numbers trades at about 11 times earnings, about six times cash flow, and is run by a very, very solid management team that's exploiting uh, some of the good things that are happening principally in the Western Canadian oil patch. Now, I think that the gas cycle or natural gas business uh, would have a huge impact on total energy services. How's it faring? I mean, gas is, uh, is down and out. I know there is some activity going on, but uh, it hasn't been the most robust area. Well, that's part of the beauty of this company is that uh, one of their three segments makes gas compression units. And you would think that would be suffering right now, but they are actually benefiting from a duopoly situation. Tormont bought Enerflex, so two of the other players. They combined operations, spun it back out as a new Enerflex. So you really just have Enerflex and Total Energy Services gas compression unit being the only providers of compression equipment out there. So uh, being the only other supplier, they're in a very strong position right now, and they're growing that business despite weak gas prices. Well, Will, I've given you a chance to show off a couple of uh, really strong stocks, and I, I let you win at golf, so I've got to pull out one that uh, has really been a, a thorn in your side, Primero Mining. Tell us about that one. Primero is run by a gentleman in the uh, gold business that I've known for 15 or more years, Joe Conway. And uh, they own one operating mine called the San Dimas Mine in Mexico, which is essentially a good mine, but there's some hair attached to it. They have this... I mean, the mine produces a great deal of silver, and they have um, a very awkward agreement where the silver has to be sold to Silver Wheaton at below market prices, but they pay the Mexican government taxes based on market prices. So they've got a huge cash tax bill to pay every quarter. So that's been a significant drag on the company. That being said, the mine itself is actually pretty good, good enough to have attracted the attention of Northgate Minerals, which made an offer to buy Primero. Unfortunately, that deal fell apart. So the stock collapsed back into the low threes once that deal uh, came undone. And furthermore, they're finding that some of the mining grade that they're uh, getting out of the San Dimas mines not what was originally hoped for. So they've also announced lower production numbers. That being said, in the low $3 range, I like what I see and uh, feel that's reasonably good value here right now. Now, growth is disappointing this year, but, Will, is it, uh, is it still a growth story in your view? I think the company is still very capable of a reasonable cost production growth for many years to come. And I would also add to that Joe Conway is known for being a dealmaker and generally a smart dealmaker. He's the, he's the gentleman who built IM Gold up into um, a large intermediate gold producer. There's a good chance that if Joe gets half a chance here, he's going to do that all over again with Primero as his base. Well, I think we got time for one more, and I, I wanted to pull one out of the bag that uh, I know you've got a, a special interest in. You and I have talked about it quite a bit. It's called Iridium Communications. Tell us about what they do, 
because it's a U.S.-based company, so we're not as familiar here in Canada, and what your thesis behind owning this one is. Well, Iridium basically provides satellite-based communications for handsets that look basically like a cell phone, maybe a little bit larger. So that's one big segment. And, of course, these cell phone-like phones can be used by your average consumer. It could be used by your oil uh, exploration geologist out in the field. It could be used by the U.S. military. It could also be used by other militaries around the world where that's being allowed essentially by the U.S. military. And it's also machine-to-machine. And that would be, for example, uh, a box sitting on a ship out in the ocean uh, communicating via satellite with a logistics center somewhere in the world that's keeping track of where that ship is, where it's moving to, is it on schedule, etc. So that could also exist on a truck rolling down the highway or a delivery truck, uh, such as perhaps a UPS type truck, which is making its rounds throughout the city. So Iridium actually has 100% coverage of the world, and they're the only ones that do that. They can go very far north, very far south, and all points in between. And work in a variety of weather conditions and, and and particularly in marine environments where you can't build a cell tower out in the middle of the ocean. So that's what uh, Iridium provides. And uh, they are one of the two, perhaps the two best providers of that in the world. And they would argue that they're the best provider of that in the world. And um, here's again a company where I think, uh, according to my estimates, is trading at something less than 13 times earning, but less than four times cash flow. And part of the discrepancy there is that they do have to replace their satellite system, and they're in the process of doing that right now. That's going to require a big build-out of another 66 satellites plus a number of spares that will happen over the next three or four years. Debt will ramp up as a result of that, but I think they have more than enough capability to manage that debt. Here's a company that grew through the 08-09 recession, and I, is growing at very rapid pace right now, and I think is unduly depressed at these uh, at these prices. Is it the capital spending that's really holding the stock back? Because it sounds like a great story, and uh, we can all kind of get our mind around the need for this uh, service over time. I think it is. I think there are perhaps concerns about demand for their product, but I think their br- d- demand will show its resiliency, even if. Uh, global economy does take a, a downward turn, and and people are concerned about the debt ramp up that will happen in the next three or four years. But again, uh, the way I model a company and the way the company talks about itself, they are very capable of handling that. And um, three or four years out from now and into five years, then you start to see extraordinary free cash flow as they stop spending on satellites. And you see a rapid improvement in the balance sheet and huge net free cash flow, which is something I consistently love to see in our names. It's something that could be used for a dividend, share buybacks, etc. So, again, uh, it's going to be sleeping in the weeds perhaps a little bit here for the next few years, but I think a, a good, strong, long-term story for the portfolio. Well, Will, I think we'll leave it at that. I really appreciate you spending the time with us today. We've talked about four stocks out of, I guess it's 16 in the portfolio today. Uh, they total, I think, around 26 or 27% of the portfolio. So we've covered uh, we've covered a good part of it. Uh, I think we understand a little bit about why you own them, where you stand on them today, and that's great. Again, thanks. Uh, keep up the good work. I know we've weathered the storm really pretty well here, and uh, our clients appreciate it, and we look forward to talking again.